You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today's episode is brought to you by our listeners and supporters over on our Buy Me A Coffee page. Thank you to all who support the show by giving our show a listen, leaving a review or comment, following us on our Twitter, or sharing the show with your friends and family. If you want to support the show further, check out our BMAC page for more information. Link in the description below. And now, on to the show. Hello, and welcome to Into the Night, a Finance Freeze podcast. I'm your host, Nick, and thank you for listening. Have you ever been shopping on an online store like Amazon, browsing for something innocuous as a new pair of shoes you have been interested in? You look up reviews and browse a few options you were interested in, but think it distracted when a friend messages you a video on YouTube that you have to watch. Then, Boom. Like magic, an unskippable ad appeared to the very same shoe brand you were looking at just moments ago. You might tell yourself, that's just a weird coincidence, before clicking through your news app on your phone. Again, wedged between the stories for the day, you see yet another ad of the shoes you were admiring. You may feel crept out now and have the feeling of being watched, but you've just experienced the wonders of custom internet advertising. There are numerous ways companies over the years have been able to use modern technology to determine what exactly you like and want, all in an effort to create advertisements tailored to you to get you to spend your hard-earned money. It's become almost of an art of its own, so to speak. Numerous techniques have been developed in order for corporations to create these custom advertisements. Probably the most popular is cookie data, often called purchase or browse data for online storefronts. Online stores often use cookies or your browsing history to keep track of what you buy and even what you put in your cart and later abandon in an effort to personalize your shopping experience the next time. Most of this is connected to clickstream data. This data is a collection of web pages you have visited collected using a tiny text file called a cookie, which a site sends to your computer so it can track your movements amongst its pages. There are two types of cookies. First-party cookies, which are sent by the site domain in the address bar, and third-party cookies, which come from other domains that have embedded ads or images onto the page. The information they gather from you helps them tailor advertising specifically to the user. A sort of hidden cost to using these 
public services like search engines and news articles comes in the price of them tracking you and your interests, quantifying and reporting these notes, and possibly even selling them to advertising companies. It's nefarious, for certain, but a wise man once said, When an item is priced at nothing, it is seldom cheap. Our story tonight, in a venture outside of Finance Freddy's core timeline, is all about the story of hidden cost. There is an inherent danger in allowing corporations to have so much of your private information, but at the very least we can rest easy in the irrational theory that we are only being monitored by the people who own the websites and apps we use. Imagine, if you will, a world where after searching for some shoes on Amazon, Amazon messages you, letting you know they have already put that item in your cart. It just needs your confirmation to send it to your house right away. Even more terrifying, a world where Amazon doesn't even ask for your permission. Their monitoring of your presence online informs them of your desires for shoes, so they already charged you and send you those shoes you were looking for, without any confirmation on your end. Having power comes through control, and control could quickly become a fragile thing in the wrong hands. This is episode 21, Fetch. During the golden age of fast entertainment, there were locations all across the United States. From the east coast to the west coast, there was never a pizzeria filled with arcade games, a band of robot cartoon animals, and pieces that tasted a little too much like cardboard out of sight. For a few years, there wasn't any place else a kid would want to have their birthdays at besides Freddy Fazbear's Pizza. That was, of course, back in the Golden Age. After various incidents and dark events that led to the brand's ruination, all that remained of the old corporation was a company of abandoned buildings being reclaimed and taken over by nature and time. In the rain, three boys of the name of Greg, Heidi, and Cyril had begun to break into an old pizzeria that had been left to rot in the boardwalk of their home sea town. The wind and rain were at war with what stood on the ground. Thunder blasts boomed through the gray sky. Such a crisp autumn night before the night was robbed away by the storm's sudden assault. Greg and his friends had planned a Saturday night of gaming, soda, and pizza at Heidi's house. That was until the power went out, and Heidi's parents were getting ready to break out the board games. The boys instead convinced their parents to let them bike to Greg's, but it was really an excuse for them to go to this supposed ghost house on the boardwalk. It was all Greg's idea. It was like he was drawn to the place ever since he spotted it. He knew he had to get inside. He just didn't know why. got there, they were surprised it had even stood the test of time, boarded up and bombarded by the all-too-often coastal storms for who knew how long. The structure looked not abandoned but ancient, almost on the verge of a collapse on the outside. But once the boys broke inside, blasted by the immense amount of dust trapped within, they were surprised to see the building. It didn't look good per se, it was still clearly abandoned. But it didn't appear as if anyone else had broken in before them. There were no footprints or graffiti from previous explorers. It was as if 
this was a graveyard that was meant to go untouched and respected. The boys maneuvered around the dining room filled with overturned metal chairs and dirty tables with the plastic sides peeling off. The floors were a pattern of cracked black and white squares. Colored pillars designed like rainbow-colored barbershop poles kept the structure standing, and on the walls were faded words of F.R. with a cartoon bear head to the left of the text. Katie smiled and rushed to the small counter in the corner of the room. Behind were rows of discolored plush toys whose colors had been sucked away from the sun that leaked in from the several holes in the ceiling above. Katie hopped over the prize counter and began looking beneath the desk where several cardboard boxes were abandoned. I bet these are still here because they're really good prizes, Haiti said. Cyril pointed at a large-headed figure with a big nose. It sat on a small side table with the words top prize winning off a cardboard sign. Greg picked up the heavy object. Its fur felt matted and coarse. It had pointed ears and a long snout and piercing yellow eyes. It wore a dog collar around its neck. Greg lifted up slightly to read its dog tag. Fetch? Greg had loved dogs, all except the vicious old dog that lived next to him, of course. But this one was particularly ugly. His uncanny appearance mixed with its canine features alongside its decaying state revealing tarnished metal and joints. It made it look like an undead dog that rose from the grave. Let me see. Greg finally spoke up as he took the instructions away from Cyril. Ignoring his protest, Greg read the instructions for what the dog was supposed to do. Apparently, Fetch was designed to sync with your phone and retrieve information and other things with a simple request. Fetch? That's it? Think it still works? How long do you think this place has been empty? Fetch looks like he's older than my dad. The smartphones haven't been around that long. There was an underlying curiosity that Greg couldn't deny. The boys unanimously shrugged and decided to poke around Fetch's control panel to see if they could get it to work. Following the instructions, Greg began flipping switches on its exposed building control panel to start it up. There was a sound of whirring gears inside of it, almost like a large bike chain grinding on the inside of it. Almost like a large bike chain grinding inside of it. The wind also began to surge against the building. Greg, momentarily distracted by the onslaught, shined his flashlight on the walls and ceilings of the pizzeria. Several cave-ins and holes were present all along the building's walls and roofs, yet the only stains seemed to come from age. Why wasn't the building linking with water or heavy wind punked the walls creating a draft? Greg shrugged it off and returned his focus to fetch. At this point, the boys were just flipping random switches. Whatever sequence the booklet had been telling them to do had not been working and have resorted to them using guesswork. The wind and rain started up again with a crescendo of manic pounding and waves. That's Heck? Fetch's head whirred and raised, emitting a low metallic growl. It quickly flipped from its backside and stood at attention at all fours. Animatronic CPU online. Sick. The boys all stared at Fetch, edging backward in an unspoken agreement that a little distance was a good idea in case the old robot did something sudden. The boys and Fetch stared at one another, neither group blinking. 
A door near a small show stage with a purple curtain closed loudly, causing the boys to jump and rush out of the building. Pelted by the rain, the boys picked up their bikes and began heading home, leaving the robotic dog behind. Greg and his friends, now soaking wet from the storm, after a long trudge of the wind, finally made it to Greg's home. Greg's long, wavy blonde hair was now nothing but a mop rag atop his head. As they set their bikes in their father's garage, Greg spotted his uncle Darren fooling around with a generator. Oh, there you are, boyo. I was about to have a search posse. You didn't answer your phone. Greg furrowed his eyebrows and pulled out his phone. Sorry, Dare. I didn't hear it. Greg lit up his home screen to see multiple missed texts and missed calls from Dare. Well, I swear, I didn't hear it. Yeah, who cares? Who could hear anything in this wind anyway? Come on, let's get you inside. Greg pointed the generator running the corner of the workshop. Where did this generator come from? Oh, that? I got it from Olympia. Your dad's been saying for years the house didn't need one. And wouldn't you know it, the rain came early this year. And of course, your dad still won't listen to me. Greg couldn't remember the argument, but to be fair, his mind was currently preoccupied with why he couldn't hear his phone. Most of the messages had come from when the boys were inside the old pizzeria. Yet he swears he never heard it vibrate. It hadn't been that loud inside. Where were you boys in this weather? Uh, can I keep that a secret? Darren stroked his gray and goatee playfully. Uncle Dare, as he liked to be called by Greg, had his own fashion and style. One part flamboyant businessman and one part California surfer dude. His long hair was dyed purple and he wore a collection of bright colored business suits and ties, all paired with fully patterned shirts. He could afford his... distinct look, thanks to success as a car part inventor. He even lived at a ten-acre estate not too far from his mom and dad. As Greg's friends went upstairs to prep for a video game night, Greg began catching up with Dare. Greg had told him his father had finally allowed him to start babysitting for some extra spending cash, all thanks to Dare's two cents on the issue. Dare also told Greg he was currently looking around town for a new puppy to take care of. He had a friend whose shih tzu was going to have puppies soon, and he was going to take one in. Just be sure it's a nice shih tzu. I think the beast next door to us is part shih tzu. That snaggletooth mongrel? No dog of mine would be like that. Remember? I have... The The Magic magic Finger finger of Luck! luck. (laughs) The Magic Finger of Luck had been an ongoing joke between them ever since Greg was four years old. Greg had won an octopus from a claw machine, and dared tap the machine with his right index finger, layered in gold rings, and said in an action hero-type voice, I have the magic finger of luck, and I will get you the octopus. And he did get it. First try. After a night of gaming, Greg was getting ready for bed. Cyril and Heidi had left an hour ago. He stood in front of the mirror examining his features. He always thought himself too thin. His phone buzzed and he picked it up. It was a text from Haiti. You recovered? From what? You can't fool me. (laughs) Okay. 
Yeah, I'm good. Just need more courage, I guess. Despite Greg's best effort, his mind still lingered on the oddities of their adventure into the old pizzeria. Why couldn't he hear his phone? Why did the building look so good on the inside? What happened to that robot dog they left behind running? Why was the robot even operational? Shouldn't the battery have gone dry years ago? He was originally drawn to the old pizzeria due to his love of REGs, or random event generators. He believed in and was fascinated by the topic of zero-point fields. In physics, it implies that a vacuum state, or simply vacuum, is not empty at all. But the ground state energy of all fields in space and may collectively be called the zero-point field. The vacuum state contains, according to quantum mechanics, fleeting electromagnetic waves and virtual particles that pop into and out of existence at a whim. Effectively, just because something appears empty doesn't mean it actually is. Beneath the surface, huge swaths of energy are brewing beneath. There exists no such thing as non-activity. Okay, so... I'm going to stop here because I know I'm losing some of you on this, so I want to make it abundantly clear. In the actual book, this is the reason we are given as to why Greg went to the pizzeria. And I'm not going to lie, this reason is pretty fragile. Now, don't forget any of this. We will come back to zero-point fields and random event generators in a little bit. And it is fascinating stuff. It's actually real-world science that is being studied today. But as to how they relate to why Greg was drawn to the pizzeria and the fact we get no explanation outside of the book besides this one, uh, I ain't gonna lie. I think Greg really was just drawn to it because it was a giant abandoned building screaming, please break in at your own discretion, young troublemakers. As the weekend storm rolled away, Greg found himself back in school Monday morning. In his advanced scientific theory class, an AP class for freshmen who had won science fair awards, there were only a dozen students in total, including Greg himself. Despite his teacher discussing his favorite topic of zero-point fields, Greg could only focus on one particular student, Kimberly. Kimberly, with long, inky black hair and amazing green eyes, was prettier than any model Greg had ever seen. Of course, as narrow and lanky a boy as he is, someone like Kimberly would never go for a guy like him. It appeared confidence wasn't just that he needed to improve when it came to digging around desolate buildings. The school bell rang and everyone began to disperse from the classroom. As Greg began to walk out, he felt his phone vibrate and looked at his screen. Hello, Greg. How are you? The phone number wasn't familiar. Greg looked around to see if he could spot anyone looking at him, trying to get his attention. He responded. I'm fine. Who is this? Fetch. Greg excelled and gave a small smirk. Another one of Hades' practical jokes. Of course he wouldn't let Les Saturday go after dragging him to that creepy place. Question for you. What's your question? Why did you leave? Greg rolled his eyes. You're hilarious. Thank you. Your answer. Hey, you're gonna be late for Spanish, amigo. Greg looked around to see Haiti. 
Cyril was also right next to him, taking a stutter step back at Greg's reaction. Why are you texting me if you're right here, Heidi? Dude, you whack. Do I look like I'm texting you? Actually, no. Greg had to admit, Heidi's phone was nowhere in sight. Greg looked back at his phone. Whoever was texting him had sent him another message. Your answer. For the next 24 hours, Fetch would respond to Greg periodically. By now, he realized the text had to be from the animatronic dog they ran from. Somehow, it may have been able to sync with his phone while they were inside the pizzeria. How a robot that must have been built back when the phones were the size of paperweights could connect with this brand new mobile phone, he had no idea. He still had a lingering doubt that it was an elaborate joke by Haiti and Cyril. Perhaps they had someone else texting him that they fed information to. But Fetch's texts were way too elaborate to be from any one of his friends, let alone some other random kid from school. His messages were almost omnipotent. Fetch would seemingly dial into not just Greg's messages, but his entire phone. Living up to his name, Fetch was mentioning Greg several related messages to conversations he was having with Cyril and Haiti. When Greg had told Cyril that he needed more time to do homework, Fetch messaged him a link to a time management article and downloaded a scheduling app on his phone. When Greg was having issues with Spanish homework, he reached out to Cyril for help with the translation for I don't know how to make banana bread without eggs and flour. Cyril didn't respond. But Fetch did. No sé cómo hace pan de plátano sin huevos ni harina. Cyril texted his answer an hour later, and it was a perfect match to Fetch's translation. At first, it was kind of cool what Fetch could do for him. He definitely wished he had more control over what Fetch could do, but as personal aid, it wasn't all that bad. But sometimes it could get a little spooky if getting texts from an old robot dog wasn't bizarre enough. One time, Greg was reading an article about random event generators, and Fetch sent him a link to a latest article about the research into field of REGs. Greg had read through the whole thing and it was fascinating. When he was done, Fetch sent out a text of binary code that read out, Okay. Another time, Greg was on the phone with his mom asking if she could bring him some chocolate home from the grocery store. Greg's mom was always a fruit-as-a-snack type woman, and she told him he was hungry to have an apple. But when she got home and was organizing all the groceries out of her brown paper bags, she was left with a confused expression when she pulled out a king-sized chocolate bar. She checked the receipt and it didn't have any transaction of a chocolate bar in place, but took it as a happy accident and gave it to Greg. Greg knew, however, that it wasn't an accident. Fetch had just fetched him a candy bar. Greg was filled with excitement. This meant that this robot could not just retrieve information, but also objects for him as well. Greg began keeping a log of all of Fetch's activities in his journal. For the most part, Fetch had just been responding to inputs Greg had made from his phone when texting his friends or family, or when he was looking stuff up online. Other times, however, Fetch had responses that made no sense. In one instance, without any provocation on his part, Fetch texted Greg if he did anything stupid today. 
Greg bewildered asked the question, why would he do anything stupid? Fetch replied with a nonchalant, I don't know. After a couple days had gone by, Greg was confident with what he had recorded that he could accurately predict Fetch's actions. He started to consider if he should tell his friends or family about the dog now that he had a better grasp on it. But even though he knew how Fetch operated, he didn't know if he still had enough information to explain it all properly to someone else. That was, until the spider. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match, with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. A couple of days before Christmas, Greg and Haiti were talking on their phones about their school bully, Trent. He recently made it a bad habit to freak out Cyril and gang up on him in gym class. The boys were getting tired of it. Katie had overheard that Trent was afraid of spiders, which reminded Greg of the rubber spider he had buried in the backyard. Back when he was four of age, Greg and his family had an indoor picnic day during a similar coastal storm they experienced when they went to the old pizzeria. Uncle Dare had prepared a rainy day picnic for the family to lift their spirits up, complete with a blanket, some potted plants, large rubber insect figures, and a wicker basket filled with drinks and sandwiches. However, Greg didn't like the toy insects that surrounded him, especially a large black rubber spider. It was clearly some Halloween decoration Uncle Dare got on clearance, but its beady little eyes bothered him. Uncle Dare, noticing Greg's looking troubled, as he wanted him to get rid of the spider together. Greg placed the spider in a plastic bag, and he and Uncle Dare got some shovels and some raincoats, then buried the spider in the backyard. He told Hayden that once the rain let up, he would dig the spider from his backyard so he could wrap it up as a little gift for Trent. However, after a few hours had passed, the rain never let up. It was growing late and he had promised Haiti he would get it. Begrudgingly, he geared up for the rain and opened his front door. 
Greg stumbled back and stifled a scream when he looked down and saw a huge spider in his home's welcome mat. Jumping back, he stared at the spider, realizing it was a fake. But that only made his pulse accelerate. His heart pounded loudly in his chest. The rubber spider he buried, included with its muddy bag wrapped around its pencil-thin legs, was now on his porch. Greg knew that the only two people who knew that barren spot of the spider was Uncle Dare and himself. Dare was in Hawaii for Christmas, and both his parents weren't home right now. He picked up the spider and analyzed it. There were jagged teeth marks along the bottom of it. He dropped the soiled bag as he felt his phone vibrate in his back pocket. He slowly took out his phone, already knowing who had just messaged him. Merry Christmas. Greg responded back, his hands trembling as he did. Merry Christmas to you too, Fetch. The day after Christmas, Greg had finally told his friends about receiving texts from Fetch. They didn't believe him at first, but after showing him the text from the unknown number, as well as thanks to his extensive note-taking, they suddenly believed that something was clearly stalking him. Whether or not it was that robot dog, they were unsure. And when Cyril suggested that someone may have been stalked by someone at the restaurant, Greg had to agree he hadn't thought of that. However, Greg still believed that that robotic dog was the entity fetching things for him. At the very least, it couldn't have been an adult, as it was nearly impossible for whoever was texting him to know exactly what he was doing and how he was feeling. For example, in his advanced science class, he had gotten lucky enough to be paired up with his school crush, Kimberly. He was overjoyed and had to focus insanely hard to make sure he typed his phone number and her phone correctly so that he could communicate about the project. The moment he did so, his phone buzzed. At first he thought it was from Kimberly, but soon saw it was a message from Fetch. Congratulations. Even though Fetch, or whoever was talking to him, was just a nuisance so far, at the end of the day, Fetch was getting under his skin and learning thought he could do something violent didn't help Greg sleep at night. As he was biking home one day, the wind was once again picking up. He got off and began walking his bike home, lost in thought of finally being able to be so close to Kimberly. Alongside conjuring plans to get rid of Fetch, he would have forgotten about the tiny terror that lived on his street. The angry old dog had jumped over the fence and began charging at Greg. Greg was tacked to the ground as the dog got on top of his chest and began snapping in his face and neck. Greg, holding his head back with his hands, used his legs to kick back the dog on the chain fence. He immediately got back up and began snarling at him. Greg didn't want to see what it would do next, so he settled with picking his bike and backpack up and running home. Once inside, he sunk to the floor, attempting to stop himself from hyperventilating. Sitting in the puddle of water dripping from his back, he took out his phone and texted Haiti. Devil dog just tried to slash my throat. Scared the heck out of me. Haiti responded. You okay? <sighs> Shaken. Not stirred. 
<laughs> LOL. Glad you're okay. Greg placed his phone on silent and went up to his room. Greg woke up in a sweat. He had a nightmare of being chased by the devil dog. Or perhaps it was Fetch. He recalled other elements of his dream as well. There existed a faceless man, the abandoned pizzeria covered in foliage, and zeros and ones being spewed out of a machine. What it meant to Greg, he had no idea. Shaking off the bad night, Greg looked outside his window and saw it was morning. As he got dressed for the day, he could hear the wind was picking up again. Already late for school, he raced towards the door, waving goodbye to his mom, and ignoring his father who was already preoccupied with his morning coffee. He grabbed his books and backpack and threw on his rain jacket. He went outside the door and down the steps. Once he looked up to his bike, he made an audible gasp and lost his balance. He used the porch stair railing to keep himself from falling back on his head. His eyes widened and his pulse flew into overdrive, and his stomach clenched. Greg turned away to his mother's bushes and collapsed. Despite his stomach being empty, his body threw up yellow bile. Enduring a few rounds of dry heaves, it to take several deep breaths to stop the vomit streak. The smell of the vomit stench wasn't strong enough to overpower the smell coming from his bike. He looked around wildly as if someone was around to help him, but that was the last thing he wanted to happen. He didn't want anyone to see him or what was laying against his bike. His legs felt weak, but he endured and stood up, meandering to his parents' garage, and took out a black garbage bag and shovel. He moved quickly and raced to his bike. He stood in front of his bike looking upwards, not wanting to confront what he saw before, but he knew he had to in order to get the job done. So he forced himself to look. The neighbor's dog lay dead against the back wheel of his bike, his throat torn apart, its belly gutted and intestines flopping onto the concrete. Its eyes were stiff and wide open, possibly an expression of fear. The dog had been killed with a knife or shot object, but ferociously ripped apart by teeth and claw. Greg looked up to his house, making sure his parents couldn't see what he was about to do. Whether or not his neighbor spotted him was a chance he'd have to take. He put the garbage bag down and lifted the corpse of the dog inside of it with his shovel. He carried it over to his neighbor's yard, making a sickening splat as he Greg didn't truly know if it was the right move to do, but it seemed like it at the time. Just because he didn't like the dog doesn't mean he didn't know his neighbors loved that dog with all of their hearts. He wired up the trash bag and stuffed it into another bag of kitchen trash and closed the lid. His phone buzzed. He didn't want to look at it. He knew who it was from. He pulled it out begrudgingly and tapped the screen. You're welcome. Welcome. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. So what is going on with Fetch? Why isn't he reacting the way he is and able to read Greg's messages and phone calls, let alone seemingly having knowledge of Greg himself that he definitely shouldn't have? Like his crush with Kimberly and where he appeared in the spider, how did he know all this? Well, the answer to that may reside in Greg's obsession with REGs and zero-point fields, and not just for Fetch but this may be an explanation for the basis of FNAF's logic in how possession works with remnants and souls. In the study of zero-point fields, there was a scientist named Cleve Baxter who experimented on plants using a polygraph machine. In his research, he discovered that plants react to human thoughts and actions, as well as reactions in other plants. Cleve Baxter performed the same experiment on human cells, and in his experiment, he discovered that cells can sense thoughts. Essentially, he theorized that something as small as a cell contained some form of consciousness. Quote directly from the book, So if the cells have conscious, then why is it such a leap to think our brains can influence a machine? End quote. Now when it comes to random event generators, these machines were designed to test the hypothesis that human consciousness might interact directly with sensitive physical systems. Effectively, it's the idea that energy of an event of which an outcome appears to be a coin toss of probability, there exists invisible energy that can interfere with the end result. In the case of both zero-point fields and REGs, the theories and scientific research into these particular areas of quantum physics lay the groundwork for it to explain how the mind, brain, and brainwaves initiate action in the real world, how our thoughts commingle with everything else and cause matter to manifest in our lives. In a more simplistic term, if thoughts equal energy, and energy equals matter, then thoughts can become matter, and in the process, thoughts can interfere with matter. Thus, even in areas where reasonably there should be no energy, as is the case of zero-point fields, there still exists residual energy dormant within it. It may sound complicated, but I postulate that the story in science presented in Fetch is a basis for the explanation of possession in Finance of Freddy's, an early foundation to what we would later refer to as women in agony. It is a way to explain how, through possession of an object, the object learns thought thought interferes with zero-point fields that allow small amounts of energy to exist within it, which results in the animatronics programming, in this case a fetch, a random event generator of binary code, to create movements and actions. This is emphasized in the story, 
As numerous times in the story, when Greg is looking into REGs, Fetch responds to the text saying, REGM2, or REGs, me too. Essentially, he is telling Greg he either has or acts like a random event generator. Now, Fetch's programming is distinguishingly different compared to the Fazbear band we all know and love, as we know the basis of thought for the original animatronics come from the souls of William Acton's victims. Whereas in the case of Fetch, it appears to be the lingering agony of the events that closed down the pizzeria on the docks that created the thought, but it has no real basis compared to the thoughts of the MCI children or the puppet. A few days later, after Fetch killed the neighbor's dog, Greg tried his best to focus on school and keep it out of his mind, but it was near impossible. Every time before he sent a text, he had to reread every single word to ensure he wouldn't provoke Fetch to do anything. On one occasion, he had contacted Cyril that he wanted to know if he had a fellow student named Manuel's phone number. Cyril gave it to him, but when Greg texted him, he didn't respond. Greg panicked. He called Cyril to ask where Manuel lived and ran to his house. Luckily, he found Manuel outside playing with his yellow Labrador, Oro, and Greg was awash with relief. One day, Greg and Kimberly met up to practice using the RBG and plan out a report. It was weird. While Greg is shocked to see that Kimberly knows that REGs supposedly influence big world disasters, and Kimberly feels the same way about Greg's knowledge of REGs, Kimberly reveals that, despite her parents being open-minded, they don't support her interest in random event generators. Greg explains who Cleve Baxter is and how he's conducting his own experiments, and while Kimberly understands what he's trying to do, she feels that attempting to manipulate the zero-point fields will cause Craig to crash and burn before he can figure it out. Later that day, while hanging out with his friends, Greg keeps showing Cyril and Haiti how Fetch is continuing to text him and how he has become more and more aggressive with him. But Haiti and Cyril don't want to be dragged into more Fetch drama. They believe, since he was the one who wanted to go to that abandoned pizzeria in the first place, it was his problem to sort out why that robot became obsessed with him. Greg was on his own when it came to figuring out a way to deal with Fetch. He knew it all came down to REGs. Fetch constantly related himself to them when he was researching it for his project, but he needed money to keep experimenting with school project to understand how Fetch was operating. His babysitting jobs gave him decent spending money, but it was taking way too much time away from figuring out a solution to his problems. Greg grabbed his phone. Over the summer, he had read an article about a boy his age who was able to create a home business and was making tons of profits. Greg was smart, so why couldn't he have an own home business too? Something that he could do in his spare time at home while he focused on his current predicament with Fetch. He started researching entrepreneurial sites and articles to get some inspiration. After an hour of searching, he was frustrated, confused, and tired. He wasn't thinking straight, most likely from a lack of sleep from the past few nights, so he decided to just ready himself for bed. As he did so, he went to his messages to text his uncle Dare. If anyone had an idea of making money, it would be him. I need the magic finger of luck. Can you teach me how to make money? Dare didn't respond. Most likely he was just asleep. He wasn't a night owl by any means. So, just before he was about to put away his phone, Greg felt it vibrate again. It 
text from Fetch. Good night, sweet dreams. Sweet dreams to you too, Fetch. Greg responded, ignoring the shivers that skittered down his spine. He put his phone away and closed his eyes. Immediately, he was asleep. Greg woke up. He ripped it from his bed and immediately darted for his phone. He was an idiot. He sent his last text without even thinking. He grabbed his phone and immediately deleted his message to Dare, then called him. No answer. He put up his uncle's landline number. No answer. Greg immediately got his previous day's clothes on and began darting down the stairs to his front door. He didn't care how windy it was. He needed to get on his bike and see his uncle. He opened the deadbolt and flung his front door open, about to charge the door. But then he looked down. His legs went out and he crumpled to the ground. Dare's thick finger, torn and bloody with the bones sticking out, was sitting on his home's welcome mat. One of his uncle's rings still remained on there, dented with a small bite mark. Greg's mom came downstairs, most likely woken up by Greg's theatrics. He picked up the finger and told his mom he had some fresh air. But then he knows her mascara was smeared and her cheeks were wet. When Greg asked what was wrong, she told Greg that his uncle had been attacked by a wild animal. It torn off one of his fingers and had mauled him badly. He was being airlifted to the hospital to get emergency medical attention. Greg couldn't believe it. He kept repeating no out loud. His mother tried to cover him, but he pushed her away and told her he needed some air. Greg didn't know where he was going. Just need to leave his house and go anywhere. But he stopped in his tracks as he saw a pair of glowing red eyes in the bushes of his backyard. It was sitting in the backyard. Its jaws agape with what appeared to be a proud smile. Greg was so angry he didn't even think about running. He strode to the garage and found his father's metal baseball bat. He grabbed it and went directly towards Fetch. He tilted its ears as if in question. If it was a real dog, it may have been cute. But Greg knew this robot was nothing but an animatronic killer made to appear like a dog. So he didn't hesitate. He swung the bat at Fetch's head. The first strike split open the top of Fetch's head, revealing a metal skull and exposed wires. Sparks flew as Greg wound up from another swing. What did you do?! Fetch looked up at him with a silly grin. Greg swung that bat at his mouth, metal teeth. Greg swung the bat at his mouth. Metal teeth sprayed out everywhere and more sparks flew. But Fetch was still looking at him with an eager gaze, as if it was enjoying his reaction. Stop it! He threw everything he had into beating Fetch over and over and over again with the metal bat. More sparks and metal flew apart as Greg pounded him with the bat. Soon, Fetch looked nothing more than a pile of scrap debris, but that didn't stop Greg. He kept going, not until he had his After a minute, he finally dropped the bat. Greg fell back on his butt in the sloppy wet dunes. He stared at the pile of metal hinges and matted fur. Catching his breath, he heard the ocean roar with what sounded like the chant of a million angry men. It sounded like judgment, but whether it was for Fetch for his violence, 
or Greg heard stupidity. He couldn't tell. Greg could hear his mom approaching. He used his bat to push Fetch's part into the foliage and went back to her. He wasn't going to school today. A few hours later, he got a phone call from Haiti. It was about late afternoon. Part of it was Haiti and Cyril giving their condolences about their injuries and apologizing for not helping where they could. Through the conversation, although Greg doesn't mention it, it is implied that Haiti and Cyril understand that Fetch was responsible for the attack. Can we do anything? Not unless you could do magic. Sorry to disappoint, dude. Yeah. Hey, I'm not sure it'll make you feel better, but Kimberly was looking for you now. Greg sat up. Really? Totally. She said you have a good paper idea and wanted to work on it. Greg had forgotten all about the paper. They were going to work on it during the weekend. After listening to you moon over that girl forever, it would be nice to see you with her. It hasn't been forever. Just second grade. Whatever you say. <laughs> yeah, it would be nice to see her. Well then, don't miss your chance. Call her and get busy on that paper. Win her over, dude. Greg needs to prepare to see Kimberly. He felt guilty for feeling so hopeful about being able to spend time with his crush. But he couldn't help but feel elated knowing the beast that had been watching him for months was finally gone. Greg picked out a nice outfit for himself and set it out in his bed and went to the bathroom. As he was about to take a hot shower, he heard a buzz on his phone. Probably another wish from luck from Cyril. He left it to charge next to the bathroom sink. He took his time preparing. He didn't want to make a bad impression now they were going to be together outside of school. He combed his hair and placed cream in it, and he made sure that every part of him that could be criticized was covered. As he gave himself one last good look in the mirror, he went to grab his phone to text Kimberly he was coming to see her. When he tapped his phone, he saw the new message he missed. We'll retrieve. Greg lost his breath. He went outside in his bath towel only to find only a few screws where he hid Fetch's parts. He tried Kimberly's number, but she wasn't responding. It was like tear all over again. Greg rushed up the stairs into his room, but when he opened the door, he had to contain his screams of what he spotted beneath his sheets. An outline of a person, wrapped up like a mummy with his beige bed sheets, slowly turning red and wet glistening in the room's muted light. Greg didn't have to look to know exactly what was under the sheets. Suddenly, a new message from Fetch appeared. See you. <laughs> and that will conclude our story tonight. To be fully transparent, there are elements of my recounting that were abbreviated. Most notably, Kimberly was not involved as I made her out to be. Greg's conversation with her about REGs is rather important for what we had discussed about random event generators and zero-point fields, and their connection they may share with remnant and souls. Additionally, Greg didn't find Kimberly immediately after getting ready to meet her in the end. He did see Fetch's message, he did spot Fetch had left his spot, but he wasn't that fast at killing Kimberly. In the book, 
Greg immediately rushed over to Kimberly's house to explain the situation to her. When he got there and tried to explain the situation, Kimberly's parents had been called the police as they presumed he was a crazy person stalking her. When the cops arrived to question Greg, they were mainly shocked to hear that their old pizzeria was still around, but they also agreed that the boys seemed to be disturbed about something. To satisfy Kimberly's parents' wishes, during which they had ushered Kimberly inside to be as far away from Greg as possible, the police chose to take Greg to the police station. Which was fine by Greg, as long as Kimberly was inside, surrounded by her parents, she was safe from fetch. Or so we thought. When he finally got back home after dealing with the scolding from his father, he eventually came up with a plan to sneak out late at night to keep an eye on Kimberly. It was then, after he opened up his bedroom door, did he see Kimberly's corpse wrapped up in his bedsheet. I clarify this point to be transparent with you all on two fronts. For one, I have always attempted to tell the most accurate version of events so that you can have as much accurate information of the story and lore of this franchise. However, I will always be upfront when I do some creative liberties, so to speak, such as with Kimberly in the story. And two, there's only so much information I can pack into one of my episodes. When it came to theories and interpretations, I've always urged that you should play the games and come up to your own conclusions. The same goes with the books as well. Get your hands on them and read them cover to cover. With that, I think we have reached a perfect stopping point. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to stay updated, please consider subscribing, following, or sharing this podcast. It truly helps us broaden our reach. Consider following us on our Twitter at Fazbear Podcast or supporting us on our Buy Me a Coffee page using the link in the description below. Next time. We are going to be tackling one last story within the Fazbear Fright universe of tales, and possibly the most popular story in this entire franchise. It's without a doubt a fan favorite. A story about death, naive nihilism, and a lesson to always be cautious of what you wish for. Starring my all-time favorite character from the series, Funtime Freddy. Next episode, we will be covering Count the Ways. I look forward to sharing this experience with you all. Today's thumbnail was also made by Levi Smith, a fan of the series. And once again, I've been your host Nick, and thank you all for listening. Have a good night. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. 
Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.